This Monday night, we're sending you back to the podcast. Oh, jeez. Hey. on this computer. All right. You're on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we don't want to take too much of your time. You know, you're, you're busy. I have time. I have time. Okay. It's, not a, it's not a crazy day. <laughs> it's not a crazy day. And it's Friday evening, so I'm like, let's party. Let's talk movies. Did you go, did you go ahead and introduce uh, Allison? So this is Allison Starlock. She directed... The Apology, starring Anna Gunn, and it's incredible. We just, I just watched it. Uh, we, we don't. My brother lives in Vegas, by the way, so we <laughs> didn't get to watch it together, but he watched it as well, um, and it's amazing. Um, I, I'll start. I, what? So what? How did this? Uh, first of all, it was hard to. I was. <sighs> emotional because as you know i have a daughter we both have a daughter and so oh my gosh like anna gun killed it i i was like feeling everything she was feeling um and imagining 20 years of not knowing what happened to my daughter uh, is just wild and also the way you wrote it felt like a play it was it was beautiful and like how you you were able to just um elevate these scenes with their conversations how did the concept start how did you um come up with this idea yeah well thank you so much and um just to tell folks too um if they haven't seen the film because we are a little little indie so a lot of folks don't even know what the apology is about it's a christmas set psychological thriller it's about a mother named darlene who has been looking for her missing daughter like you said for 20 years to no avail she's just on the edge of despair when she gets a knock on her door in the middle of the night on christmas eve it's her ex-brother-in-law and former flame jack who's come in uh claiming an accident and pretty soon explains that he's actually there on purpose to tell her something very important so it's a chamber piece kind of uh psychological thriller it has horror elements it's funny because it's on shutter but i think it's it's a little um i am a big horror fan that's like mostly what i do but um, it is a little bit more on the thriller drama side of things, but the idea of it came from that. Um, I had a dream about that knock on the door and a man mm. on the other side saying, I know what happened to your daughter. Mm. Uh, and, you know, as, as we've talked, Linda, we both have daughters and, and, uh, and motherhood has been so important. So I know both of our work. And, um, and so it just became, as I was working on it, kind of this metaphor for what the experience has been like of being there for my daughter who has special needs. She's autistic and uh and just the incredible diligence and like the way that sort of thing can take over your life and sort of become obsessive yeah and 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 still never quite feel satisfying like you're trying your best but there's always more you feel like your kiddo could need and um so that's kind of where it came from yeah nice light fair that's why i I laughed uh, when you were like i was tearing up i'm like yeah (laughs) i saw (laughs) i saw your article where you said you had the dream of it and I didn't know that was a, cl- a cliche because me and my sister always email each other. We have a really good dream. We'll email each other and like, oh, this would be a great movie. And like, and then I read that little bit of your article. It's like, oh, it's a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, it, it's it's like one of those. You know, it's something that um, uh, when I was in film school, I had a teacher who taught me a little bit about that. The idea of like harnessing your dreams for your for your stories. And uh, and it's so uh, it's been very helpful to me, especially with this one. 
Yeah, actually, Stephen King, I think, writes his, a lot of his dreams, too, I believe, right? I think you're right, yeah. I, I, I forgot so. about that. And on writing, I think he was yes. Um, I have a lot of uh, vivid dreams. I can't say lucid because I believe lucid is when you control your dreams, right? Yeah. And you have some control, I right? So, yeah. um, I don't have much control in my dreams, but they're so yeah. vivid that I remember them every day. They like kind of live in me. Um, and I've been meaning to like, I always say I'm going to keep a dream journal because I think for that reason, it would be great source material as well. Um, but that, that's, I think that's, um, I think that's amazing. Um, you know, I think I, the the way it felt like a play was really cool too. I mean, what was that like having these conversations and like as a writer, like um, what were you asking in each or what what was the challenge of asking like each person's motivation, how to, you know, um, just writing that and writing that process of those dialogues and creating those scenes and the progression, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, you know, the, a big part of my motivation for it was thinking about a revenge story in a way that is um, something more that I would relate to. Uh, yeah. I love revenge stories in general, and I love them when they get bloody and crazy, too. Like, I love all kinds. But for me, it was more interesting to see, like, what would happen? Because it's such an, a, a, an extreme situation that would never happen, right? You would never have access to each other in this kind of scenario, the way that yeah, they do. It's true. And so I was like, well, what would happen if you really didn't have anything else getting in the way? If it was just the two of them kind of going at each other and plunging and trying to figure out what they needed from each other. And I just kept thinking too, that I really wanted it to have a lot of compassion, that even though this guy has done the worst thing possible and is obviously a massively unhealthy and destructive individual, uh, but just the idea that even within that, that we would try to understand where they were both coming from. Yeah. So it was always like trying to ground it in that way. And I had some fun here and there with sort of like thriller horror tropes that were like scattered through a little Hitchcocky and nods and things like that. Although it's funny, I'm not that big as big of a Hitchcock fan. I'm more of a Brian De Palma fan who was like Ooh. a Hitchcock worshiper. And yeah. so it's basically being the same thing, I guess. It's like diluted, but um, yeah. So that's where that well, came I, I, you know, I'm a big uh, George Lucas fan and he borrowed from like Kurosawa and, you know, uh, other um, directors as well. And so I borrowed oh, from him and then, you know, it's, so it's, it all, but always. it's a good thing. Like, I feel like um, I've heard some filmmakers say they don't, they just do their own thing and they don't learn other cinema, but I think it's kind of important, also, you know, to see what has been done in the past, what works and what you want to evolve. But it was, I have to say, Allison, it was shot so beautifully, like the lighting, the colors, like, how did you choose the color palette? What was that like? Was How fun was that choosing the color palette? And well, did you know that, that already? It was so fun. I'm a very, um, like, uh, heavy prep, lots of notes uh, nerd. And so, yeah, I definitely had the color prep, the color um palette in mind i really wanted um christmas colors and primary colors because these sorts of movies are usually very um sort of brown and gray and sort of you know miserable looking and i thought well it's already miserable enough what they're going through i wanted to see like uh, play with the idea that the color was sort of representing what she was going through in this transformation yeah. what she was experiencing and so I sort of I laid those basics down to my production designer Tom Obed, who is just the most the best, and uh, our art department, and they really ran with it and did. And we also talked about like this is a space where a woman has lived alone for, you know, however long it's been since the divorce, something like eighteen years or something. But what a woman's house looked like if she was kind of in between sort of a time capsule thing and trying to make it her own. 
Um, so we had a lot of fun with that. And our DP, uh, Jack Caswell, is just this brilliant, calm, giant guy. Uh, and uh, he just kept elevating everything. And, and our crew were just so great. It was such a dream come true to work from, like, I'm work- I'm used to the DIY space where it's like, it's kind of yeah. like with your short uh Yenanton, am i pronouncing that Yenanton, right yeah yeah i love i love it so much and <laughs> i love you. i also love i love not only what you're doing with it but also just the fact that whenever somebody just goes especially a mom i have to say like just goes i'm gonna put a camera out and bring my little phone camera out or whatever and just make yes. it make it <laughs> so i'm like from that space of doing that so to go from that to having a hundred people working on the film. I mean, I, yes. I, it was the cliche thing of like, I don't even know what everybody's doing. Like I, to, <laughs> I was like learning. I'm like, what is a DIT? I didn't understand. And so, um, yeah, it was a, this is a, so cool. This is so amazing. Wonderful ex- <laughs> learning experience. You know, was it that shot with the stained glass and they're in, in the door and that you could see the Christmas lights through the stained. Oh my God. That was so beautiful. And oh, you're right. You. Just the juxtaposition of like sadness and like, you know, this happy, um, you know, setting as well, or lights and colors. There was one scene where, um, when she's alone in her room, she feels a little, uh, big in that room like and she, she felt like the space was small was that intentional like I you know what were, what was your thought process behind that yeah I really so cool. yeah I really liked uh, the idea of it being a bit theatrical because again the yeah. idea of the film is so um extreme again that's something so then I was like let's treat it a bit like uh, a dark fairy tale and so yes. there were moments in the film oh. where we were like let's let's really lean into that and so yeah. one, that was one of them was basically like we, you, there is no fourth wall. There literally, we didn't build one. It was an attic oh. bedroom. So oh, when we just, wow. and we just leaned into it because I really liked, I really wanted um, a lot of lonely space, like negative space. And I really wanted to steal from, talk about stealing from the greats. I wanted to steal from the Night of the Hunter. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, guys, but it's a, it's a fantastic. No, but I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic noir from 1950 something, I think way ahead of its time but he had this incredible bedroom that's very famous for having these like sharp edge like kind of peaks and stuff in it and uh yeah so it was so cool visually yeah thank you very much i felt like visually it it like it just flowed so well and gelled so well and it was so it was it was like you know it's like music it just with everything that was going on it just it, it, it it was beautiful you were talking about, um, you know, getting into the characters and the character stuff, but what was, and, you know, thinking about what each of their motivations were, what was it like getting into, um, uh, was it Jake? I'm sorry. The, the, oh, Jack. Yeah. Jack. Jack. We're what was it like? <laughs> what was it like getting into Jack's head and like having to have in a way empathize with him I thought that was I thought that was great it was really well done it kind of made him um it made him more real real more realistic you know oh thank you yeah it was it was it was um it was really wild because um it became kind of more my obsession than understanding Darlene because I feel like so much of Darlene is me even though I've never you know, my child's never been missing. I've never struggled with alcohol. But I think, again, like the things that I was mentioning, there's just a lot that's that's me in, in that character. And and so uh, after a certain point, it was kind of like, well, I know about her. He was the big mystery to me. And it was it felt almost like a fun personal challenge to try to understand how somebody could do that. Yeah. Because, uh, and how somebody could live with it for the years after. You know, that was the thing that was more interesting almost in a way than the... Yeah 
than the horrific act itself. It was the continued lies and the living with it. And so Linus Roach, who played Jack, and I had a bunch of really fantastic conversations talking about how do you justify that to yourself and that he was living with all of these justifications. And, um, you know, I think like, I think most people have encountered some severe narcissists in their lives. And, and, you know, they, they're learning now that they think that there's like a large percentage of the population that are, that are um, high functioning sociopaths. And, know, uh, yeah. and so I thought that, I thought that that was very interesting. I didn't re learn that until quite long. And we were already prepping the film when I learned that detail, but I thought that was really interesting. The idea it's like, Oh, the, people could be walking around yeah. with this way of looking at the world. You know, it, it, it was so fascinating to me. I, I you know, I, I really loved seeing him portrayed that way. Um, as odd as that sounds, because he's, you know, a bad person. Well, well you know, that's he made a bad no, choice. He made a bad choice. <laughs> he did a lot. He did a lot of bad things. And so it's like, yeah. uh, it's funny because my editor, Lana Wolverton and I, who's like this brilliant, you love her, this like brilliant lady. And she's, but she's like so casual about it. So she, she and I would be having conversations about him and we'd be like, well, obviously because what he did was a piece of shit, but like, I mean, let's go through that and actually think about this as like a human thing. And yes. it was just funny because we kept feeling like we had to constantly justify in the conversation with each other. Yeah. It's like, this is our <laughs> film. We knew this going in. And yet we still were like, felt sort of um, uh, guilty a bit with our fascination with it. And that was always the debate throughout throughout the whole process was like, how much do we give him versus her? How do we keep that balance fair? Because it was almost like, it's so obvious that he's like, you know, the the bad guy or whatever. Right. You know, hey, I, I just like, whenever you're writing anything, you want to, you, you have to care for everybody that you're writing. And yeah, so even absolutely. this guy, I feel weirdly, I've always felt weirdly defensive of, which is I insane. totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get it. I mean, they become your characters. You know, yeah. I think that that's the best writing to me, even when I'm reading a novel. Oh. You went mute. And actually, it's done great in Game of Thrones too, right? He he, you know George R. R. Martin does that as well. You you see these villains, and then you you empathize with them. You can't yeah. help it, you know, and because they're three dimensional. And if you're in that headspace, and if you're you know you were writing for him, so that 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 is you know you can't help but feel something. <laughs> and I was taking that journey and really seeing a visceral person that even I was like, wow, he's playing this so well. <laughs> like his character is oh, like, so interesting. <laughs> He's so fantastic. And I really wanted somebody that had a lot of warmth and charm to him. And Linus just inherently is like, he's just one of the nicest human beings on the planet. And so it's like, it was, you know, he's such a gifted actor, even when he plays really tough guys that that humanity shines through that he had this warmth that he has. And yeah, so you can, great. you can then understand even more, you know, cause I wanted to be very respectful to Darlene. Like I wanted her to be a very smart person. And yeah. so we had to get, give some like hints as to how she missed this, you know, like how could she, cause I think that's, right. that's always yeah. the thing, like women who are abused or taken advantage of so often they're like emphasis becomes, how did you miss it? And why didn't mm -hmm. you leave or things like that? And it's like, oh my gosh, you're so right. It's so true. It's so they're true. Still manipulators. Like let's it's put so the emphasis true. in the right place here. But uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, by the way, if I may fangirl out a bit, um, I have my smile mug here in your honor, Josh, because I know this was one of your favorite <laughs> movies of last year. It was! Yeah, that was great. 
thought you would appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Actually, always want to know what everyone's favorites are. I'm like, what do you guys like? <laughs> I was like, shoot, I got to still watch Prey. I fell asleep. It wasn't Prey's fault. It was like one of those. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I was just like, I cannot. Totally. Yeah. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I I'll like, let Josh ask some questions too. Well, I like to learn. Uh, I love hearing more about like uh, behind the scenes and making the pizza. When you wrote sure. the script, did, did you have to shop it around? Like, how was that? How was the process? Yeah, speaking of fairy tales, it was like that in a way because I had written the script and I'd done a whole bunch of rewrites. I'd done readings with friends. I'd been like trying to figure out what to do with it. And uh, I finally, I was like, I'm just going to start talking to my friends about it who make things and we'll just see. And so I went to visit my friend. Uh, when I was going to visit my friend, Stacey Jorgensen, who became a producer on the movie, I was like, um, hey, can you, she was working at um, Company X, excuse me, and she, uh, and I said, you know, I have this script, could you just read it and tell me if you know somebody who would want to read it? And she called me back in a day and said, I want to produce it, and I'm going to bring it to my company, and, uh, they, you know, we'll see if they say yes, but if they don't, we will find a different home, and then they said yes, and it was insane. And it all happened like Thanksgiving, like Halloween through Christmas with this process. And then it was quite a lot of work to package it, to find, you know, to, to find out all the, the casting and the, um, the crew and everything else. But we started proper prep a year ago, like now, like last January. And so then the film was finished by the fall. And so then the company that we were, that were our financers are also a distributor, RLJE films. And so they were like, well, it's a Christmas film. We're going to put it out at Christmas. So, they put it out in theaters and it's on VOD and Shutter and AMC Plus and it was insane. So that's, that's kind of how that was, happened. Uh, yeah. I was curious about because the casting. So you, you get Anna Gunn and I love Janine uh, Garofalo. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so it was cool to see her. I haven't seen her in a long time. How did that happen? Like who's your who was your casting? Like did you get to you were you there watching them or did you say uh, no you got the part? Like how did that go? <laughs> uh, yeah, with actors like that, you you send offers. So basically we 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 send the the producers put together offers for them and I wrote a cover letter that was basically like, here's who I am, because you don't know who I am. My IMDB is skeletal. And um and this is why I think you would be right for the part of what my sort of ideas for the film are, my vision for the film. And um and so Anna, with Anna and Linus both, we did a Zoom and right away it was like, we're off to the races. Like we just got it. And and um, and so that's how that happened. And then with Janine, on that cover letter for everybody, I had written my phone number and my email. I was like, just in case they feel shy about reps or something, I don't know. And uh, and also just to kind of be like, I'm opening myself up. Here's my all my feelings about this. And also here's my contact information and janine uh called me on a friday night just out of the blue and said i haven't even finished the script but i want to do it and and no she didn't even say that she was just like okay so allison this is janine Garofalo, and of course i'm like don't scream and then she's and then she's like uh okay so i can't do these certain dates so if you need to rescind your offer based on that i totally understand and i was like does that mean you're saying yes so she's just like a very um supportive like grounded person like very indie film in that way um just immediately was like looking out for me and just kept doing that it was really very kind there was one rough day on set and she was really just like just came over and was like what is it baby like she was just like so so oh. lovely to me and i was just like 
oh my gosh like it was um yeah it was a very moving experience i mean i cried through the whole process like all did you journal um a little bit but not as much as i wished because i was literally (laughs) so busy it was it was it would be like i'd be looking at it going i need to write things and i would be like nope (laughs) <laughs> totally. When I used to work for, I know, I think, you know, that I used to work for Robert Rodriguez. I yeah. would help him with his journals by like documenting. I mean, he would, you know, do the wow. whole thing, but I would document things that happened in conversations that, that I thought were cool with actors. So, oh um, man, I'm because it's hard. You yeah. directors have, you have so much going on. There's like, you know, and you're constantly thinking and like making decisions, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. It was, and it was so, you know, it's overwhelming to make your first feature anyway. And then coming yeah. from home with my daughter for so long and then making it, it was like, I was so grateful. I was so overwhelmed. It was such intense material. It was, you know, a very short shoot. We shot for 16 days. And so it was, that's, that's pretty brutal, you know? So it was like, well, and I'm a, I'm a crier anyway. And so I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. a crier on set. <laughs> Like uh, Stacy uh, would always choke like we did because we used to make shorts together. That's how we knew each other. And uh, and we also both went to USC and she and she would say, oh, I don't know if we've got the scene yet. Allie hasn't cried yet. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful so, yeah. experience, though. Yeah, it was very cool. <laughs> I love that you incorporated the, you know, the friendship and the female support in the story like I just feel like in real life how important that is too you know and um you know what was it on purpose was that you needed you wanted her to have this female like well I wanted her to yeah I mean it's like yeah and then to get Janine and Anna to play those parts was like (laughs) so great but it was it was it was um I, it's a personal mission for me to put more girlfriends in films. Like it's a I big thing that. for me. And I think friendship in general, I mean, I think I love, I love great movies about male friendship too. I'm just coming at it from more of my own personal right. experience. But, right. Uh, because I think very often like the true like loves of your life aren't all, always romantic. They are often like your BFF, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your ride or die. And so um yeah, so that's kind of where that came from. And I really liked the idea of like Darlene starting it not, not quite realizing all of what she already has, you know, thinking about the things that she wished she had. I think we all yeah. kind of lay victim to that, you know, can can be guilty of that at times. And so I wanted her to begin and end with like, here is the like true love of your life. It's not a romantic love for her, but it's 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 this is your person. You are loved, you are backed. Like yeah you have that in you just like she has a voice just like she has all of this ability that she didn't credit herself with which is the same thing that i had felt and so coming out of making it i just felt a lot more like empowered and even though i still i'm wearing my we can do it shirt with uh nice (laughs) oh nice from from man (laughs) yes no of course um i have um if you go on my instagram like deep into my instagram i have a painting or a picture that my friend made which is of uh me as furiosa with my daughter when she was little uh which you'll probably really dig and um yeah my uh and then my daughter my husband is batman and robin so <laughs> amazing yeah well, i know that our family too yeah. yeah i was like i have all all these um i'm going to this this is really nerdy but i'm going to this like 80s party and like a yes! week or and so i was like i know what i'll do i'll get a t-shirt made of all my favorite 80s uh female directors. amazing so i've got bigelow and campion and coolidge and heckerling so there you go oh my gosh 
amazing. So off our nerdery. <laughs> what do you got, Josh? You got any nerdery on your sweatshirt? I can't tell. It's Doctor Strange. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh, nice. oh cool. <laughs> I love Doctor Strange. With a hoodie, too. Yeah, I know. I'm so like, what is the full effect? Let's see the this full effect. This is about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> nice. That's delightful. Allison, what are the... Like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, we wanted to ask, what was the, the movies that inspired you when you were younger to become a filmmaker? Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's a long list, of course, I think, for everybody, right? Um, I think um, The Goonies was one of the first ones where I started to really understand what movies even were in, and that sort of thing. But I think the one that, um, and obviously Heckerling, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is one of my all-time favorites, mm. and, it, and it really got me excited about um uh it's funny everybody talks about spicoli i love spicoli but it was uh it was the ensemble nature of it like that was so interesting to me like the idea of like oh you're going to tell a story with that many characters and um like that losing her virginity scene i don't know if you guys have seen it recently and are not obsessive like me about this movie but it was like it was done (laughs) in this way that was like not glamorous but it wasn't like victimized it was just this very ordinary thing there was just certain things about that movie that just still really stick to me um and then taxi driver was a big one too like mm. when i was thinking about um that hallway scene point. where she where he's on the phone trying to convince sybil shepherd like i'm not that crazy i'm sorry i took you to a porn for our first date but i'm not that crazy and the camera's just like embarrassed for him and like pans <laughs> away and i was like oh, i want to direct movies i was like that's so smart really yeah nice. so it was like the you know when you fall in love with anything, there's like usually that moment where you're like, you can kind of pinpoint it. Like I can pinpoint the moment I fell in love with my husband and Aww. I can pinpoint the moment I fell in love with director. <laughs> <So, laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, a whole bunch of movies like uh, gas food lodging was another big one. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. It's Alison Anders. Um, who is, Mm-mm. yeah. Oh, Write you got to see it. Glenda, especially, I think will okay. love that. And um, uh, Night of the Living Dead, because again, I'm a huge horror person. So a lot yes. of horror films were, but I didn't get into them as much until I was older, but. Me too. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. Because usually the hardcore horror folks are like, you know, junior high on, like I was, you know, like. I think I just through. didn't know. I don't know if you feel that way. I feel like I just didn't realize how much I liked them. You know, it, it actually was because I was working for Robert and obviously he's a genre director. And when I was living in Austin, you know, there was all these genre screenings and, and I started learning more and I was like, oh, shoot, I love like I knew that I loved it and I have yeah. seen horror and I enjoyed it. I didn't realize I was a fan. And then until I kept watching more and more and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm really a horror fan. <laughs> like I just saw. Did you see Violent Night? Yeah, that was super fun. I actually did a podcast so where we talked um, uh, Maximum Film, which is one of my favorites. They did a, uh, we did one where we talked about Violent Night. It's nice. A fun yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you know, yeah, I think, you know, um, I started reading um, The the House in Haunting Hill. I think, mm. I feel like I'm always saying things wrong, but um, Guillermo del Toro is the, I couldn't believe that Guillermo del Toro is the, um, you know, the senior editor for uh, Penguin Horror. And when he was describing, oh, yeah, I, I had no idea. And so I'm just, uh, my brother was even saying, how does he have the time? I literally um, was thinking, I'm tired for him. Like, I'm just I know. 
and he does the intro for the book um i just started reading it because i don't read much horror i i realized well how come i don't read much i've read stephen king but you know i i should expand and read more and uh he talked about how he quoted and i forget who he quoted but um the reason why they love horror or the beauty of horror is you know one to have conversations about stuff like anxiety pain loss you know exactly to have it. those conversations and also like it's better to feel than not to feel and and i think that's very true i you know i've been depressed before it was circumstantial um sure. you know i don't think that i deal with it but i remember um uh, specifically it, i couldn't feel anything i couldn't even watch a movie and enjoy it i was just saying but i've never felt that one in my life and um and it was after a miscarriage actually so i would have might have been like the high hormones and then suddenly dropped sure, and, sure. and the whole experience um i've had i've so, had one as well it does it's a, a a unique kind of grief yeah it's 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 crazy and at the time and i don't know if it's the same for you not many people were talking about it so i just mm-hmm didn't you know i guess i didn't see it coming and i should have i know but in any case i what he said is right it is good to feel and like take a journey and i and i remember when i started watching horror i was like i think what i like too is just, i'm just going on this journey and i'm feeling these things and i'm crying i'm scared um <laughs> you know yeah. and i just i don't know there's a part of me that just enjoys having these journeys and and also there's beauty in pain like seeing like you could see like mm-hmm. in zombie shows or in like in your film with anna you can see how much love a mother has for their child and that right. pain and there's actually beauty in that love i think which oh, may yeah. sound weird but it's like you just see how much love a person has and like i watched walking dead all the way through the end and um I don't know if you did too, because I know you like horror. But... I, I didn't. I did fall <laughs> off at a certain point. I was so a fan for a long did. time. But... And that's yeah. okay. <laughs> I know. Well, but, you know, it, it was the... one of those things where I just felt like you can see, you know, just the beauty of in this apocalyptic world that you're trusting strangers, you're building a family, you're fighting for the people that you love. There's actually so much beauty in it too. Um, so anyway. I, I don't know you know what 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 draws you to horror like what what you said you discovered it later how and how did that happen and yeah um I I relate to everything you're saying I mean I think that's that's you know I love like I just finally saw The Conjuring 2 last night I had not nice. seen it and um uh, and I and I just was like because I'm writing a haunted house thing and I was like let me you know see some more and kind of think it through um and and uh i love just a classic you know scare too and that movie has a lot more going on than just that of course i'm not trying to denigrate i loved it uh but it's it's um i love just at that level that kind of fun level of it but i also just feels it feels like uh like a safe space to you can do you can go to whatever dark place you need to go to anything that you need to explore or want to explore you can do it in that genre and um and the audience will be there for that there's a lot less like don't go that far you know whereas when i would write straight dramas it would be like this is too dark like and so (laughs) a lot a lot of what happened was like i watched this documentary and this was years ago now but um it was called the american nightmare and if you like horror movies i highly recommend it it's um write that down it's from um uh probably when have it been like 15 or 20 years ago excuse me and it's all about um mostly american plus cronenberg horror filmmakers from the 60s and 70s and it's talking about how um uh 
those movies, these great horror movies were also about these big sort of social issues that we were all dealing with and that we continue to deal with like sexism and the sexual revolution and Vietnam and racism and all kinds of things like this. And so um, that just kind of blew my mind. I had not really, even though I loved Night of the Living Dead, I had seen a bunch of these movies that, you know, obviously had a lot of these great layers to them. I hadn't really thought, oh, I can take my drive to put um, these kind of bigger issues and and personal obsessions or whatever into this setting. And so it just kind of like, yeah, it just blew my mind and I just kind of went from there. So, yeah, I just, I just love it. I love, I love every kind. Um, I just, I, I just love the more specific and weird you can get. Like I loved um, yes. a wounded. Did you guys see a wounded fawn that just came out last month? But it's on no. Shutter as well. And now I'm kind of obsessed with Travis Stevens. Um, he did oh. Jacob's, Jacob's Wife, which is another great one. Um, yeah, and I just, it's just the idea of like, you can do anything from like his stuff where it's like it's kind of giallo and strange and sort of body horror a little bit, a little bit, you know, nightmarish to something like the conjuring where it's like, this is a very classic sort of Shirley Jackson haunted house thing, yeah. but it's loaded with all of these, these big issues of, you know, that we all face facing your fears, you know, seeing, seeing love through, through the years, like all these great, it's great stuff. So yeah. I could What's go on it like that. getting on that headspace when you're writing? Cause I feel like when, <laughs> Because I've never written anything scary. I've only done like sci-fi and drama. But you get so emotionally invested. Do you do you ever get scared oh, writing yes. or like? Big, that's the thing. I'm a big wimp. I get scared a lot when I watch horror movies. I get scared when I read horror stuff. I get scared when I write my own stuff, especially because I write such personal stuff. So I will literally use the layout of my house yes. as the geography in my head of what I'm writing. And so then I'll be like spooking myself, especially like right now. I'm like. <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly seeing something behind <laughs> me it. and stuff. And it's just like, I'm such a wimp, but it's kind of, you know, it's, I feel like it's your duty as an artist, as a writer, especially like your fate, you're trying to contend with the human condition to help other people contend with the human condition. Right. And so yeah. your part of your duty is to a little bit, put yourself through it um, so that they can do it in a safe way for them. And so sometimes it would be really hard. It would be like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't, keep writing about this woman and her daughter like what you know this is like my worst fear and here you know I'm constantly I was living in it for years of writing this story and so yeah but it's but it also feels like um like I say sort of a a duty did, did you, do you outline when you write yeah I am um, I I'm, I'm learning more and more that I should outline more thoroughly like they taught <laughs> everyone's process is different <laughs> Because it's almost like I'll 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 start outlining and then I'll lose patience and I'll just want to get to pages and right. then as I start doing pages then I'll put it on cards and I have a giant cork board and I'll put it on you know each card right. and then I'll start doing the character bios I always write full character bios for every character no matter how small and then um, and then I'll go back through and usually I'll have to do an actual proper outline after I've done a certain amount of pages or a full draft sometimes or many drafts. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm re-breaking a, a, the haunted house thing now, you know, it's like, it's, it's just sort of like whatever you need. I, I, but um, yeah, it just depends on how patient I can feel at the beginning about wanting to get into pages. But the and big how, thing I always say to other writer friends is like rewrite, just accept that rewriting is writing. Ask, it's so yeah. cliche, but it's very true. That's where you get to the good stuff. The painful part is that first draft or two 
Right. And then after that, it's still painful, but it's less painful. It's more fun because you've got your clay and you can actually really build something. Yes. And chisel it away. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I was going to ask about the rewriting process and how that is for you and how many rewrites do you usually go through? Or is it different for every? It's script? different for everything, but I do tend to be a, like, let me rewrite forever. And my issue is like learning to be like, okay, it's fine. Just show it to people. <laughs> And it's not so much shyness. It's like, I'm really not a shy person in general, but it's more just like, I can't stop wanting to work on things, which I think is something that all artists struggle with. But um, yeah. And then with this one, it was like, I rewrote it so many times through develop before development, through development with the actors. I rewrote even until the day before we finished shooting. So it was a lot of rewriting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've always heard writing... I've always heard writing is rewriting. I think I was taught that in in, in film school. Writing yeah. is rewriting. Um, and you're right. It is it is the best part. Josh, did you um, have? I, well, I was just have- uh, I was just watching the podcast for your you know Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and and you hear this all the time. I don't know if you ever seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I have. But yeah. There's, uh, Mac. Um, this is the same. This is probably the same thing. With, uh, music and in movies. You don't finish a project. You abandon it. Yes. Uh, and he talks about you you yeah. you just got to put it out you got to give yourself a deadline put it out there share with your friends and if they have yeah. some critiques for you it doesn't mean that it's bad it's just like that's how things evolve and whatnot but you yeah. got to keep going forward you can't be scared and just like you know yeah exactly. just gotta abandon it and move on <laughs> yeah exactly and so even like with the film out i'm still like yeah, I'm sure. I would have done this. <laughs> it was beautiful. I also loved how you matched the weather to the feelings um, uh, and the cool. situation and the storm, you know, along with the snow. How did you do that opening shot? What did you guys use? Uh, yeah, we used that a was drone beautiful. and it was, oh, thank you. It was a, it was a drone and it was in Wisconsin. So we did um, one day of Wisconsin exteriors, but the weather did not cooperate. And so they had to <laughs> an additional day where it was it was a remote direction i couldn't even direct that shot my producer kim sherman had to direct it because i was directing scene work at the same time because the weather hadn't uh, cooperated with us but it was so it became a whole thing because we shot the film uh, almost entirely in los angeles and so we don't have any snow here so we uh, had a whole VFX team. We had the drone shots. We had um, another team who went out and did some uh, sort of B-roll shots where we get all that lovely lakes inserts and things like that that we did. Um, that was that team. And then um, and then we had a big VFX team that helped us so much with that. And our sound design team, um, uh, who uh, Julie Diaz at Unbridled Sound, she was our sound designer and we had a huge, again, an actual sound team amazing uh to fill that in because i really wanted like you say the weather to reflect her her emotions his emotions this broiling situation i wanted the storm to just get worse and worse and worse um until you know the quiet the classic quiet of the morning after it it was incredible it was beautiful and that opening was so was so beautiful and i i love the soap pace of like you know getting us there and like finding out what what's the reveal what's gonna happen so i don't i've said on my other podcast i don't know if you know but i don't watch trailers i actually don't read breakdowns i like to just go in and not know what's gonna i'm weird like no no no. i i I think it's i think there's like a drive now to try to be like more pure about things right like because our attention is so diverted I, i i totally get that most of the time i don't either 
And I'm really, just like, yeah, because I just feel like if, if it's something that somebody's recommended or it looks like it's my jam, that's enough. Yes, that's what you I know? do too. Because people ask me, how do you do it? I'm like, well, exactly that. If people, someone recommends it, you read a title online, a director you like, a sure. theme. Um, my husband makes trailers. So it's funny, I'm like sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> Don't watch funny. <laughs> you know what? You know what I do love is I love to immediately watch the trailer after I watch the film. I do do that. Yeah. I love seeing how I do they do that. diluted it. It's fascinating yeah. to me the idea of like how do you market a thing like this film was a very yeah. difficult film to market because it's sort of like we're bought by a horror group in a way you know a big genre group and yet it's like it's not straight genre it's not straight one genre and so it's like how do you you know market that and, and just seeing that up close was just really fascinating. Oh yeah. See, like, so how was that? How was that it? How was that trailer experience? Like, did you guys hire a company, an editor, or like how involved were we, you? The yeah, studio? We, yeah, we actually had our editor do it, and, uh, nice. and which was such a gift because she really understands the film. And so um, it was really nice to see that. And she basically, we would all kind of give notes and then she would go back and do another pass. And um, but it didn't take much because I mean, it's Lana Wolverton, man. She's she's like so our new cool. Thelma Schoonmaker or Schoonmaker. How do you say her last name? Yeah. So she's just she's just a, a a brilliant person, and I'll just like I need a T-shirt with her name on it. Like she's so rad, but oh. um, yeah. So that that was like uh, so I was part of the process to a certain degree, but at a certain point, they you know the marketing team's doing what the marketing team is going to do, and right. so we were kind of trying to have conversations with them about it, and then I you know we end up each kind of doing our own thing a little bit too, where I put up some things on um, on social media. You can find like. Uh, talking about the film and I'm going to do some more because I just um, we put out the film then we had Christmas then I got COVID and I had my whole family oh. got COVID for weeks and then I actually just tested positive again yesterday which I think is no. like a oh my I gosh think, thank you I, for doing this today no, how are you feeling I feel fine I'm just still okay. funny enough that's why I'm like I have to have a tea uh, thing going but um it, I think it's uh, I, I took the Paxlovid and uh, you know sometimes they have they say you have rebound positives and stuff so I'm not too worried it's more just like really annoying <laughs> so I'm like I'm really behind and I want to put all this other stuff out about the film so you know stay tuned to the social media I'll keep putting all kinds of nerdy tributes about the crew and pick behind the scenes. I love them by the way I love that. that you share that you know it's cool to see the other side you know um I, even though I got to work for Robert, it's still, there's so much I didn't see and didn't know. And like, I was reading scripts too, while he was on set doing stuff, you know, there were things I didn't, didn't get to see. And I honestly never thought that I was going to go this path and direct something. And we talked about it a little, I was just like, I'll be a writer. I'll be an introvert and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, or work behind the scenes. I was in creative development for so many years. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's been cool to 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 do this journey, and it's so cool to see you know your anecdotes and your stories and the things that you experience, and like choosing you know um, the the um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Composer. <laughs> oh yes. a, The music was beautiful, and also the 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 sound design and choosing the kettle and the right the the tea kettle at the right moments and the tick tocking when they were when they were going that was so great Allison oh my gosh thank you that was everything about it. it was so beautiful thank you that was a lot of finessing that we did on that tea kettle 
<laughs> that was actually one of the most like complicated moments is to win to tea kettle. Um, yeah. So it was, it was cute. I love that. I love, you know, it's, a, it's so rewarding to see anybody putting anything up about the film, not just to spread the word, which is appreciated, but also just we like will spread hear the what word. people think about it. So yeah. some folks have put up like little posts where they have a little tea mug. <laughs> so, like that. so that's fun. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, well, thank you I just, so much for joining us. Yes, and, of course. Um, share with us because I know I did uh, ask online like your favorite movies from last year. Just you can oh, just do like yes. five or. <laughs> oh well, you know I have like so much. I'm I'm on, <laughs> I'm on Letterboxd, and so I put I actually made a list today because I was like, oh, what are they? Uh, I had done like a a list um, that I put a, a talk house asked me to put it on their website as part of like <sighs> they were doing lists of lots of them. So I have a list there, but oh, cool. then I watched a whole bunch more movies while I had COVID. So uh, I have more more favorites, but um, my favorite was Barbarian. I loved Barbarian. <sighs> yes. You know, oh my gosh. And- yes. That should have made my list. That was so good too. Yeah. So I love good. how it went between genres too, like between so horror genres. I, I love the spoilers. The, the, yeah, I love the <laughs> The, t- the tone of it was so fun because it really yeah. was like it would be so scary and then it would be so funny, which of course is like right next to each other on the spectrum of like emotions, right? And yes. so I thought um, similarly, uh, Glorious, I think, did a great job of that as well. Had a lot of great like horror. Glorious? Great, yeah, great sense of humor. Oh, right, Shudder as well. Okay. It's, it's uh, I don't want it spoiled by saying anything about it. It's except that it, almost all of it takes place in a rest stop restroom. And basically, it's pretty much how glorious. (laughs) Yes. And there is a hole. There's a hole. Maybe it's a glory hole. Maybe it's not a glory hole. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that one so much. Rebecca Rebecca McKendry directed it. And I think Joshua Hull was the writer. And uh, and I just um, I really like her work. And um, so that was fun. And then uh, apparently I'm just into the horror and comedy combo. Uh, Banshees of Inishirin, which is not a horror film. It's a comedy, oh, but it's a very that, yeah. dark comedy. And yes. I love Martin McDonough's work, so it was just fun to get a new Martin McDonough movie. He did it in Bruges and uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. Oh, actually yes. Right. <laughs> but those long titles, they're like, do I have this? Um, and then uh, uh, After Sun. Uh, another first-time After- female director, After Sun after sun uh, and it's about uh this um this young girl who's i think she's 11 on a vacation with her dad who she doesn't live with so it's a them spending time together and it's oh, sort of a memory cool. it's like set in the 90s and it, you know she just i think her name is charlotte wells or charlotte wells and she um she just does this beautiful camera work of the way that she deals with memory that i was just real knocked out by that's uh, so cool. Yeah. So so many, so many a lot of movies about I saw a lot of great movies this year about um the what it's like to be a filmmaker and be a writer or be a creative person and like how to navigate that. And the Fablemans is another one that I think oh, did a really beautiful yeah. job of that. I was really yeah. I was really surprised, even though of course it's like I'm a Spielberg fan because I have a beating heart. But Yeah. It was yeah. like really to see like how he really got quite dark, but also quite gracious in that story. And I yeah. was really impressed by that. Um, Actually, I, yeah, I love Sorry, that. go ahead, go ahead. No, I just <laughs> could name 
I could just name forever. And that's not that fun. And like, I gotta I, I gotta edit all that in. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep it all in. Every single one. Um, you gotta always but... put the tra- I always put the footage of the, the movies we mentioned, but Oh wow, uh, there, okay. There's a yeah. pro tip for everybody. Uh on Amazon Prime, you can get Shutter for free for a week and you can watch the apology for free on Amazon Prime seven week trial. So do that. Watch the apology. Yeah, and I think you can also do it just for the Shutter app as well. Probably, yeah, I would, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah, because you know that's the nice thing. Most streamers have that like week, you know, temptcha kind of period. So yeah, that's a good tip. And we always tell people at the end of our podcast too that go back to the movies. We want people to go back to the movies, you know. But this time yeah. you can watch it at home. <laughs> yeah, at this point, yeah, there was a yeah. chance to watch it. The but it did play in the theaters. It did, but it did, it did. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really cool. And I know you that watched so it cool. too with friends and family, which is like my dream. Like I hope I can do that one day. That's just you should. I, I... <laughs> we did the festival. Yeah. We did do the festivals. Yes, <laughs> I know um, what you mean. There is a little something about like, oh wow, you just buy a ticket. Like there's people in here. I don't know them, and they not. You know. Yeah, <laughs> so that's and, pretty neat. I love going to the movies and I want to encourage people to go back. There's nothing like watching with an audience and feeling everything with an audience. And like you mentioned the Fablemans and you're right. It was dark and gracious. That's that's such a great description. And I, you know, I identified with him personally because my brother and I, um, you know, we dealt with some things with our mom who's a beautiful person. We love her, you know? Um, But you know, we were raised by by our dad, and so we come from a divorced family. And Same. having that graciousness that he had, that that the, the character had, or that Steve had, <laughs> I I um I understood. It's weird. It, you know, your parents are human. Your parents are human at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. I thought he made his mother look beautiful and flawed. You know, it was interesting. You know, both yeah, both of his parents. But yes, both I think, parents, I think both he parents, did a great sure. job of 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 showing how that marriage disintegrated, understanding mm-hmm. why it did, and uh, and 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 yet still showing how violent that feels when you're in the middle of it for yes. everybody involved. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we went through it a few times. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a it's such an intense experience, and it was wild to see him. I'm sure you guys probably felt the same. Et was so infamously about his parents' divorce, right? So then to see the full curtain, you know, pulled back, I know. yeah, and then and then it had like lovely, just weird things like that fantastic scene in the hallway at the high school with the jock who's like, "Why'd you make me look good?" Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's just he really, uh, you know, Spielberg let his freak fly a little, you know, he did. A little bit, and I was he like, did. happy to see it. Yeah, I, I was, and then to see the influences, like to see the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, like you know, the Boy Scout stuff. Um, I, I'm sure I'm missing some things, but I remember watching him like, oh, that's this, that's that, you know. Yeah. Um, I it just it, it was just so touching and beautiful, and like, I think there's a story, and I may be wrong, but I think steven spielberg didn't he maybe you guys know didn't he bury some movies or something and jj abrams found them and then gave it what? back to him 90 percent of the time i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about oh I i'll have to look literally or don't news. look josh can verify later yeah i feel like i read that he 
buried videos and uh, coincidentally jj abrams family and when i saw that steven spielberg moved in that story i was like maybe it's true um that supposedly jj abrams family moved to that home and found and jj found those videos and gave it back to him but it could be wrong i feel like this is true though <laughs> weirder things have happened and if that's true i want to hear everything about that that's so strange right it's like okay you were burying films like how are you so dark, Spielberg? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I did some research, and this took a minute. But Kathleen Kennedy tells a story where this gentleman in Arizona moved into Steven Spielberg's old house, and he found some tapes not in not in the backyard in the in the basement. And he said, "Hey, I think these are Steven Spielberg's films." He tells Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy is like, oh, I don't know what this, maybe he just wants money or something. So she asked Spielberg, hey, did you live in this home in Arizona? And he said, yes, I did. So now she believes him. So she she politely asks him if he can bring the films down. He brings them down. And then uh, it turns out, yes, it was Spielberg's films when he was younger. Um, so uh, it wasn't J.J. Abrams. It was just this guy that moved into his own house. So... She told Spielberg, hey, there's these two kids, 15, 16-year-olds. They're they're winning a bunch of awards right now for a, a movie they made, maybe a short film, but they made a movie together. And you should uh, reach out to them to digitize these films so you can have them forever. So Spielberg said, so that's a great idea. Those two kids that uh, fixed those old films, there were Super 8 films, the ones that patched them up, was J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves who are obviously we all know who they are they're legendary directors now and they've all been friends since they were teenagers because they he they redigitized those films and they fixed it for spielberg so that's the story well i was wondering too i'm like well the dad didn't really want him to make it a career maybe he was hiding it from him too you know so i was just like anyway i thought it was an interesting story maybe story <laughs> yeah 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 well thank it. you for joining yeah. us Thank you very much for having me. It was so much fun. I had one more random question though for you. What is the yep. background that you have going on, Glenda? Is that me? Or what is happening with all the cool dresses? Oh, I have to show you. It, it, it is wallpaper. Oh my god! Oh, it's it all Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I know that's your great. Big it's a uh, Padme. Cool. Yeah. Yes, it's Padme Amidala from Phantom Menace. Outfits. Oh, All wow. of her outfits. Yes. Wow. That's <laughs> very cool. You'll have to say like, love my close-up shot. I'm in love with that. That's so It fun. looks like breakfast at Tiffany's from here. Then you zoom in and it's Padme. <laughs> I, love that. I love that kind of thing. Like, I love anything where it's like, it looks so pretty and you zoom in and it's like gross monsters or something. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's funny because it, it's it. my little, it's a hallway that I made into like a dressing room. And, you know, I'm, I, I know that when people visit or come by, I'm sure they're wondering what the heck this is. <laughs> you gotta have some like creative stuff. Like we have um, uh, Cthulhu curtains in our Oh like, my God, that's living so room. cool. And it's like, everybody always goes, whoa, holy curtains. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's our house. That man. is so and badass. Apparently the adults, we get to choose, right? That is so amazing. <laughs> I'm so Thank grateful you, you joined us. Yes, I'm so Thanks. grateful, Allison. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And Josh, it was so nice to meet you. It's nice and, to meet uh, you. Uh, good luck continuing with the podcast. I look forward to hearing more good good nerdery from you both. And uh, we'll talk soon. 
Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.